Let's Cover That podcast is brought to you by CMNF Group, professional liability services for over 200 healthcare professions. Visit our website at cmfgroup.com slash podcast for more info. Hey, everybody. Will Sullivan here with another episode. Let's cover that with my co-host. Antonina Agruza. And today we have with us Josh Gollum. He is the CEO at Hazel Health. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about your background in healthcare and what kind of brought you to Hazel Health. Yeah, so um, you know, maybe I'll start back. So, I, when I, I was sure when I went to, off to college, I was going to be a doctor. That was sort of I was one of the first in my family to go to college, and it felt like the great thing to go and do. And took all my you know, pre med courses, and um, it was interesting along the way. One of the when, so first professional job was I ran a program for high school kids in the Bay Area that wanted to get through the medical school that thought they may want to go into, um, into medicine and all of them from, were kids from more low income backgrounds, um, first in their family to go to college. And it was a fantastic experience. And what I learned through that process is I loved healthcare. I loved working with, um, these kids, uh, who are all like juniors and seniors in high school at the time. But I also realized that I wasn't in, for me to, to actually go into medicine myself. And so, uh, most of my early career, I went into AmeriCorps program, doing work with young people at the time and did inner city economic development work, all nonprofit work for a bunch of years. Um, and then, but then found my way into healthcare, so private sector healthcare, a place to really be able to drive meaningful change to the healthcare system, but in a way that had a lot of meaning for me. And so I, before Hazel, I had the huge privilege of, of starting and running two companies in healthcare, both of them though were focused more on adults and seniors that had chronic disease, um, typically had not had great healthcare access over time. And we were now trying to bring a new intervention to get them to help manage their, let's say diabetes later in life. Um, one was a direct primary care business and one was a pharmacy business. Um, and I love them, it was, it was great. I, I just love the ability to work alongside clinicians to improve care. Um, and then while this was going on, I had, I had my own three kids. So I have three sons. I have my oldest son, Gabe, who, who is, he turned 18 last week. So it just blows my mind. And I have uh, twins that are freshmen in high school. Uh, Gabe, my oldest, when he was about 15 months old, uh, my wife and I found out that he uh, was born deaf, uh, that he, we both have a recessive gene for deafness that we didn't know about. Um, and so we entered the healthcare system at that time as parents and, um, it was it was such a humbling experience because while the all the doctors all the people we met along the way were good people, it was so hard to navigate the system to understand what was going on with Gabe, get him what he needed, um, and you know, and I I'm a bad patient myself. I'm ashamed to say, but like I don't always do all the things I should around my own health. But but as a parent, when there's a thing that you need for your kid, I mean, you'll go through walls or anything you need to do to make sure they get what they need. And, and I remember having this moment going through this where I reflected, I mean, here I am, I work in healthcare. I know a ton of doctors. We have good insurance. I speak, I speak English as native language. I have all these privileges on how to navigate the healthcare system. And it was so hard for us to get Gabe what he needed and so stressful. Um, and how, how hard must it be for families who don't have all those privileges to navigate the system. And so um, when, uh, for me, then there was a passion to do something in pediatrics. And so I, 
I met some former educators, um, some amazing uh, clinicians and amazing technology folks here in the Bay Area. And we all said, well, if you, if you really wanted to try to tackle healthcare for kids, wouldn't it be amazing to, to go there and but, but go through schools where kids are most days to find a way to impact care? So that's, that's kind of what led me to, to sort of say, this is, you know, of all the things I've done, this is my passion project to try to find a way to help kids and, and their families. Yeah, so, so jumping into that, Josh, so, so give us a background. What, what is Hazel and you know, how is it making movement for children and mental health and, and the needs with the schools and how does that look? Yeah, yeah. So our, our ultimate mission is to make sure that all kids uh, and families have access to great health care. And the way we do that is so we partner with schools to essentially turn schools into virtual care delivery sites. So think telehealth in schools and like at a practical level, we do both physical health and mental health. So what it means is, you know, whether it's, it's a child that might have a sore throat or pink eye or lice or all the other things kids get that they could go into school health office and see one of our doctors on the other end, um, or a child that may be struggling with mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, an adverse childhood experience, could see one of our clinicians, our mental health clinicians. Um, it's it's at school or at home, so we we built this to be available where they are. But our our belief is by working with the schools and having that be the connection point for kids and families, a, a place both that they are, but also trust that that's a way that we can much more quickly increase access and and particularly right now with mental health with the crisis we're in that it's a, a great way to close some of the gap that so many of our families are seeing. Just a, a, like a quick, more finer point on this, Josh, though. But one of the interesting things you mentioned is, okay, so it's at the home, but also at the school. And, and you, you have to wonder the access that's increased, especially in different environments in the country, where like really the only internet you can get in a certain area that's accessible and reliable might be in a school until we, you know, finally make that next leap as a nation. Do you, do you find that a, a meaningful aspect in some of those more rural communities as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's, I mean, we are, the, and I mean, I will say I, it's been nice to see actually a lot of, a lot of the underlying infrastructure around telecom has been improving and it, particularly schools, you know, when we hit COVID and all this work around distance learning, the idea of can you make it easier for a, a school to be able to connect to a, a, a student outside of that setting has dramatically improved. So that that's improving. And there's, there's been a lot of work that the USDA in particular has been doing to support rural communities. So there's there's one piece of this is, is like the tech access. But the other part is actually, you know, if you think about like working families and working parents, a lot of the parents in, you know, in some of our districts work evening jobs or two jobs is this idea of, of it's you know hard enough for me again me as a parent to maybe get the, the care that I need, but now if I'm trying to get services for my child, I I both have to get when child's out of school, when I'm out of work, and when a you know when a provider's open, which is really hard to navigate. And so, if we can find a way to make just create other access points again for us schools is a natural one that you can actually now open up the availability of of, of closing that gap in a way you couldn't have done before. Yeah, definitely. How is the platform delivering a more value-based care model? Yeah, I mean, this is super important. And maybe just, I'll give you guys just a bit of data that we look at specifically. So like our world, we tend to think of K-12. And so there's, there's roughly about 55, sorry, 54 million kids in K-12 overall. Um, 
and that's public and private schools. And there's a lot of mixed data. We'll just talk about mental health for a moment. There's a lot of data on just how, how much kids are earning and how quickly that's growing. I think the most recent data I saw is there's probably about 17 of the million of those kids that need some sort of mental health supports today. Um, and only about one in five of them are actually getting some. There's this huge gap that I think, I mean, you're, you're hearing and seeing everywhere. I think very few people don't know a, a child or family that's sort of struggling and, and like on some wait list somewhere. And so some of the issue is around like getting them access. Some of the issue is around also a provider shortage. So even if you, you know, if you could wave your magic wand and connect them all, there's not enough providers to do all that. And so we've, the way that we've started to structure Hazel is to say, we, we want to increase access as much as we can, but to make sure that the model is sustainable and that it is, it has a very value-based approach Overall. And so what that's meant for us is that the mental health therapy model we do, it's short-term in nature. So when a child is referred to us, we do an intake uh, with one of our professionals. And then um, assuming they, they're clinically, it's necessary, then we typically do about six to 10 sessions is what we've built around with the idea being that can we make sure that if by the end of those sessions, can we use both the treatment goals and evidence-based measures to say now if they at the end of this, are they no longer clinically in need of services? For the students that need more care, we then case manage them to someone in this, typically some a local provider, because some of our kids do need, will need therapy for longer than those six to 10 sessions. But our, our hope is that we can show that the majority of kids, that's exactly what they need. And then now we can use that same provider resources to reach the next child. And it, it's still really early, but the, the data we're seeing is fantastic, which is that we're seeing a lot of kids that whether there's different screeners for things like anxiety or depression, where they're coming in and they clearly need services, but with a, a great clinician that they connect with, um, that, that we're seeing that the vast majority are, the risk scores on these metrics are going down. And so that, that means we are closing the gap. Um, and you know, equally, again, equally important is those kids that need ongoing care, that we connect them there. But I, I think our hope is if we can prove more of these short-term models work. It's it's driving value to the system without completely overloading the system with new costs that we might not be able to support. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really great in that, you know, so many people have depression and anxiety and it's it's just a matter of having a touch point with somebody to kind of guide them with those initial resources. And it almost seems like you're triaging like, hey, we can kind of handle this up to this point and these people will be kind of taken care of and, and the kids know what to do. And these other folks, we're going to have to kind of shift them into this direct model with somebody in person. And, and you're able to kind of guide on where they sit in this scale on need and, and attention on that. Yeah. And well, and one of the things that's like, so I think I say this as a parent is like, I, I think that one thing that we're hoping by being in schools is that we can more early identify with preventative care. And so like, even though I, you know, I hope my kids would say they have a great relationship with me, right? When you, I see my kids outside of school at home and, you know, in sports and all those things, but it's often the teachers and the counselors that see kids, they see kids often more hours, but also in different stressful situations that we might not as parents. And so I think what we're finding is that for a lot of the parents that by the time they're, they see something that might be going on or their child has talked to them, they may be at a much higher um, risk category. They may be closer to thinking about things like, where you might need an emergency room visit or residential treatment. And 
we've been made the way this works is that we can we can take a referral straight in for a family and but a lot of them come in actually from teachers or school counselors we're seeing the early signs of that behavior and like what how is the child showing up in the classroom maybe there's an outburst they do that's that's atypical for them or they can just tell when that child's coming in or maybe it's it's behavior at recess and so when that referral comes into us we now we so we now reach out to the parent in that scenario and say listen you know, we, um, in a very non-judgmental way, but to say, you know, we, you know, we saw, you know, your son will, uh, or, or I should say the, the, the school counselor recommended we reach out. They were a little bit worried about, will let me explain kind of what mental health supports are, what Hazel is. Would you like, we're both presenting the, the concern, but with a solution at the same time. And we've been really excited that parent, the opt-in rate has been fantastic. And so the hope is that if you, if you're meeting at, 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 at a much earlier Place when the kids are first starting to have those feelings, it's much more easily solvable, and you don't need to. You're not you're not as far down the risk continuum as you can be, and so the data showing again really early, but like the average age of diagnosis right now in the country for kids is about 14. The average, the median age, I should say, that we're seeing kids referred in for Hazel is about 12 and a half. And so we're hoping what that means is that like it is being identified much earlier. And that's why these short-term therapy models can work. And hopefully we'll never progress to that more, more, those more serious conditions. So, so what do you see Josh on that being the largest hurdle with Hazel? Is it buy-in from the kids themselves? Is it, you know, finding that preventative care model as in like, you've got eyes on the children who need, know that they need access. Is it, you know, the provider side? school system, you know, or, or is it something entirely outside of that? You know, what, what do you see? Yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I remember, you know, talking to folks three or four years ago where, um, you know, the biggest question was, okay, we're trying to, Hazel, we're trying to navigate two really important systems, but, but two really big, you know, government systems of healthcare and education and how to navigate through those. And I will just say it is, and, and both incredibly well-intentioned things that do a lot of great stuff for families, but they're also like, they're not used to working together in this sort of structured way. And um, it's it, that, the thing I feel great about is it's taken us a while to get there, but we're finding it. And, and the, cause what we're trying to do is bring those two systems together. So like for, as an example, in the state of Hawaii, um, we signed a, um, a contract with, with the entire state to be, we're now in every single public school in the state of Hawaii. And so what was great is, the Department of Education brought us in, but we also at the same time, they brought in the state Medicaid program, the state health and human services program. And so the, and all the local providers at the same time, because we were an outside group coming in. And so it's, it's, it's been this sort of collective effort where Hazel's not the hero in all this, we're, we're providing a lot of great services and, and hopefully some of the connective tissue, but, but the plans are involved, the schools are involved and everyone's recognizing this is a great way to address it. But, but that's hard. It takes a while to get there because we're, what we need to make sure is that everyone, all these stakeholders, right? you have the, the kids and the parents, we've got the schools where they may be, we've got the health plans that they're members of, and you know, then all the, the things that sit above them. Like our job is to bring all those folks together towards a common goal around the kid and asking everyone to do a little bit of like, don't, don't think about just from your lens, we have to think about together. That's, that's both the hardest, but when it works, it's magic because then you you sort of really feel like you're, you're kind of redefining how these systems can work together. 
Yeah, Josh, that's amazing. And the work that you and your team are doing is just incredible. You know, with the mental health crisis our country is facing, you know, the early intervention piece is just so crucial right now. Um, so before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd love for our listeners to know about Hazel or next steps for your organization? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if there was anything I'd ask for, especially for parents, is just like, you know, hug, hug your school folks, you know, whether it's your school nurse, your teacher, your counselor, I mean, is I don't think having worked in healthcare for so long, I don't think I fully appreciated how how hard their jobs are, how much work they're doing to support our kids. And, you know, I think, you know, Hazel, even though we're trying to solve a line towards a mission, like we do, we do create change and like we are coming in and they're being asked to, to think about things they've never had to think about as an educator before. And, um, and I think they are, they're on the front lines of really making sure our kids are healthy and learning and you know i i'm just for us it feels like an honor to support the work like nothing makes i I love parent feedback we've got fantastic nps scores but when you know a teacher or school counselor or um, school nurse says we made their job a little bit easier that's that like you know it fills my cup completely so that would be my my parting thought yeah well i think i think josh you know going from like the expectation of a vocation as as a doctor and to the vocation of building healthcare businesses that help families every single day is just an amazing testament to who you are and, and uh, the good work you're doing in response to a need, especially with your son. So thank you so much for hopping on. Yeah, thank, thanks both of you. Thanks, Josh. Have a great day. And that's another episode of Let's Cover That.